0: All right, so I'm going to go ahead and read our text for this morning, which comes from Daniel 3, verses 1 through 30. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits, and its breadth breadth, 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent together the the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the, gold, the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that, time, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music He ordered the furnace furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hat, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning, fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon.
1: Well, good morning. <clears throat> I guess that's all the time we have. Sorry, it's a long passage. So thank you, Caleb, for reading that. Um, let me uh, let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll look at God's word together. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for um, this day. Thank you again, Lord, for this time that we get to look... Um, at, uh, at this text. Uh, it's a familiar text, and uh, Lord, we, we do ask that you'll open it up afresh for us this morning, and uh, that, Lord, that you would help us to see Jesus, um, him clearly, and pray that, Lord, yet we know that your Holy Spirit is at work, and so we trust that you will do a good work for us uh, even this day uh, as we sit um, under your word. Lord, we thank you, and in in it's uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so like I said, this is a familiar text. Um, if you know anything from the book of Daniel, uh, this is one of the two stories that makes it into our um, our children's storybooks, right? So you have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, uh, and then of course the other story, you know, is the story of Daniel in the lion's den, right? Okay, so you and and you know, you, if you've read any, um, and so if you know anything about the store about these stories, um, we, we we are attracted to them because of um, because. We have uh, we have people who are taking a stand. Right? We have Christians or God's people who are who are taking a stand um, and they are protected in a very uh, in a very drastic type of situation right like a, a furnace or a, or a den um, so that's one of the reasons why we, we, we find them in our in our children's storybooks right so even if you um, I might be dating myself, but you know some of you may be filming with, with uh, veggie tales right you know? a story of Rack Shrek, and Benny anybody, anybody? so. Yeah, um, so you, you get that right. I, I I don't know if you know Christian vegetable people are still in in vogue. I, I don't know. All right, but um, but but if you but you, if you get that, you understand that the reason that we attracted them is because they end up being sort of blueprints or templates <clears throat> for us as Christians living in a hostile world. All right, now. But before we get there, what you need to know about this story is that this is taking place, um, as you can see from verse one, that we are in Babylon. All right, and so the, the the image that I want you to take with you today, as you think about your identity, right? How do you relate to this text? Is to think of yourself in terms of this idea of being an exile, being an exile. Okay, now, there are many words in the Bible that we use when we describe ours, our identity as Christians, right? When we talk about being believers, we are talking about that which you say, I believe. Say, like, for example, the Apostles' Creed. Um, some so We use terms like being a follower, right? Being a follower has to do with our identity of, of, of being a disciple. Who are you following? We are following in the footsteps of Jesus, right? Well, the Bible also has another term, which is this idea of being an Exile. Another word might be another term that might where we could use with this is this term. For a second. Yep.
0: This is not
1: translating. No. Do you mean to speak slower? No. Okay. All, right. <laughs> okay. all right. All right. So, um, all right. So, back to the text. All right. So, so, this idea of thinking of ourselves using the term resident aliens. Okay. And, and, and the way that, and, and the idea of an, an exile is simply someone who says, I I belong to a different kingdom, right? I I belong to a different realm. And as Christians, we say we are part of God's kingdom. Um, But we live out our day-to-day lives uh, in a land that does not believe the same things that we do, uh, who do not bow their knee to King Jesus as we do. Um, But that is the world that we live in. And that's the pattern, right? So you have God's people who have been taken out of the land and they're living out in, in Babylon. And, um, and so this idea of the fact that when, you, that, that when we ad- embrace this idea of living as an exile, as a resident alien, we assume that faithfulness to the Lord is going to be challenged. We, we can assume that, okay? And that's why this story, drastic as it might be, extreme as it might be, um, in some ways is not unusual, as uh, as it pertains to the idea that our faithfulness is that the faithfulness to the Lord, faithfulness to God, to Yahweh, in the Old Testament here in this story is being challenged. Okay, now this idea of being a resident alien, I, I, it might be fam- might be familiar to, to some of you, right? You 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 get that um, if you are if you are an immigrant, if you're recent, uh, uh, if if you recently come to the United States or you've been here for any length of time, um, like, like I have. Um, you, you get this idea of being an immigrant. Now, I'll, uh, the, I'll, I need to wind the clock back about 25 years when I first came to the United States, okay? D- as, an, as an illustration, okay? So, um, so I remember back in 1995, when I first came to this country, right? When you come, you arrive at the international terminal in Los Angeles, right? And, and, you, and of course, when you, get, when you get off the plane, um, you're separated into two groups, two lines, okay? One line is where all the citizens and the residents go. Okay? And in the line is everybody else. Okay? And so, and this, and there's a study in contrast between these two groups of people. Okay? So if you look at the, at the citizens, at a citizen line, everybody's relaxed. Hey, it's good to be back. Right? What, what, what are we gonna eat? Hey, I can't wait for college ball to start, right? You have you, it's all it's all really relaxed. Everybody's high-fiving one another, right, as they go down. And then the other group of people, which is where, which is where I was in, are just nervous mess. Okay? They are like patting themselves. Do I have my passport? Do I have my visa? Right? Uh, do, I, uh, do I have my, my, my documents? Um, I look nervous. Does, does, he, does he think I'm hiding something? I'm not hiding something. But he thinks I'm hiding something. And now I'm even more nervous. Okay? And so by the time you get to the, the immigration officer, you are just flustered right you just you're just that now and 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 i use that example is because if you th- if you are to think of yourselves in terms of re- in terms of being a resident alien there's a sense of of where when we when we when we embrace the life of an exile there's still something where we can say it's welcome but it's not home all right and what you have in this story is you have three men who who who, who are standing up because they say that they are part of a different kingdom, all right? So here's the phrase I want to put before you today as you think about this, right? Our, and, and, here, and here's the phrase, our faithfulness to God will only rise to the degree that we are convinced of and are gripped by the faithfulness of God. All right, I'll say that again. Our faithfulness to the Lord will only rise to the degree that we are convinced of and are gripped by the faithfulness of God. All right. and so what I want to look at this passage is under three headings, as we as we as we try to understand what's going on in this story, the first is that 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 is where, the, where there's a challenge to our faithfulness. The secondly is the confession of the faithful, and then thirdly is the confidence to be faithful. Okay? So let's look at this passage. Right? So if you have your if you have your Bible in front of you and it's a long passage so it's so it's good for you to have the text, all right? But but if you look at the beginning of the story, right? This idea of what what's the challenge right now? The story here begins with with with, with Nebuchadnezzar going through a this construction project. He erects this this statue or image or idol, all same word. Okay? But it's, it's uh, the dimensions is, is important, right? It said it is, it's really by 90 feet high, by nine feet wide. So it's just kind of a skinny, skinny-looking statue. So most people think that this is actually an obelisk, okay? and An obelisk, uh, the, the, the best example that I can think of an obelisk is uh, if you're familiar with the Washington Monument in D.C. The Washington Monument in D.C. is an obelisk. Okay, now, what you have in that, uh, right, right? And, 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 and you know it's the Washington Monument, not because it looks like Washington, right? You go to the Lincoln Memorial, that looks like Lincoln. You go to the Washington Memorial, it doesn't look anything like the first president, okay? So, what you have here is not necessarily a, 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 an image or an idol as a representation of something. Right? In fact the text is very ambiguous about what it actually is And that's almost by design. By the way, right if you when Caleb was reading it you you notice how repetitive it was right and, and and the reason that it's it's repetitive is because this this whole story is written in the style of a satire right And it's sort of a there's a lot of sarcasm in it. And so, the, the whole point of the text is by repeating the same groups of pra- phrases over and go- over again, satrax, prefacts, governors, right? All, all, all of that, every people's language and nations, that all the musical instruments, harps, trial, uh, harps, lyre, trigon, all of these re- repetitiveness is just meant to impress upon you, in some ways, how ridiculous this whole thing is. Okay? So the story here is it's got that what, what 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 Nebuchadnezzar has set up is fairly ambiguous. You you really have no idea. The, the main point here is for everybody to bow down. Right? The phrase that keeps repeat that, that gets repeated nine times in this text is the phrase set up. Nebuchadnezzar has set this up. Alright? In other words, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't care what language you speak, what religion you, uh, you, you subscribe to, what people group you come from, what status you occupy, it doesn't matter. He doesn't care as long as everything comes underneath your allegiance to Babylon. Okay, He's not asking anyone to give anything up. You're not forced to give anything up. All you're being asked is, is to say is to put your primary allegiance to Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon. Why do Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not refuse to obey the king's edict? Because what the king is saying is a direct um, violation of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Literally, actually means you shall have no other gods to my face. All right? And what are people doing in this story? What do they have in front of their faces? It's the statue, it's his image, it's his idol. All right? It's a clear violation, and for that reason, for that reason, they refuse to worship and bow down before the idol. Now, if you know anything about this story, every time anybody engages in a construction project in the plains of Babylon, it doesn't usually end very well. Okay? So if you wind the clock back to Genesis 11, there's another construction project there, right? The Tower of Babel. They are erecting a, they're erecting a tower in there. And what do they want? 11, Genesis 11.3 says that they want to make a name for themselves so that they would not be scattered. What is Nebuchadnezzar doing here? Making a Name for himself so that he so that his whole empire would be united. Same purpose, all right. Same purpose. And so the story here is that you have this, that the, 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 there is this, almost this insanity of this what's happening out in the plains of Babylon, right? It's kind of crazy. Right? You have everybody being gathered. You have this loud music. You have everybody, and they got their faces in the sand, and no one is stopping to ask, what am I doing? What am I doing? Right? It's, it's, there's almost a, a ridiculousness to it, absurdity to it. Right? And that's the, that's the point of the story, because idolatry, at its very core, is insane. Right? It's absurd. Right? And that's what you have. In this story, you have, you, you, you have the writer pointing out just how absurd it is for people to give their allegiance to anything else other than the Lord God himself, All right? And so the challenge here is, so in, and you say, in what way is their faithfulness being challenged? In this text, I think there are three challenges that are placed before these three men. First is the challenge of authority. Who's in charge, right? Who's in charge? Is Nebuchadnezzar the one who is dictating things or do I live primarily under the lordship of Christ, okay? The second challenge, right, is this challenge of conformity, all right? It's the juicy carrot, right? It's, hey, don't you want to be a team player? Everybody's doing it, right? The whole empire is doing this thing. Is, be, is part of it, right? Don't you want to be part of this? All right, and then the third challenge would be the challenge of intimidation, okay? Because it's, if you don't want to conform, there's always the big, blazing, fiery furnace, right? It's kind of like, you know 6th century bc version of cancel getting canceled i guess you know right get thrown in the furnace right so you so you have so you have in this in this is that, that those are the pressures that are on these three men at this point all right but notice who calls attention to the fact that they are not bowing down it's not themselves right in fact for them their faithfulness would have been quite ordinary Right, it would not. It would have gone largely unnoticed, right? And and often faithfulness looks like that, doesn't it? Right, it 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 it, it's it's not that it often takes center stage. Faithfulness almost looks mundane, ordinary. But in this story, it is the Chaldeans, right, verse eight, that come and call attention to the fact that that these three men are not. Are not um, are, are, are not worshiping and serving Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon, and so that's where you and that's why when you come to this story, a lot of times it's easy for us to often think very much in terms of um, totalitarian regimes, right? So if you're thinking on the sort of on the national stage, you're thinking of maybe countries like China or Russia or Nazi Germany, or and you're thinking of past. Uh, tyrannical rulers, and and so we often think, well, you know, I, I don't live in those places, so it doesn't apply to me. All right, let me challenge you, okay? Because I think to say that there are glittering idols that are being set up to our faces every day, right here, right now, where we are, we can all agree that that is true. Are there glittering idols that are set up in front of our faces, day in, day out, right here where we are? And the answer to the question is yes. Yes. All right? Rankin-Wilburn, in his, in his book, Union with Christ, he, he kind of lays out this idea that idolatry typically can be boiled down to four things. What we do, what we have, what we love, and what others think of us. All right, You can, you can sum up of all things that we make idols of. Right, we make idols of our comfort. We make idols of our security. We make idols out of our material things. We make idols of our reputation, right, of our, um, of, of what influence that we have, right? Everybody wants to be an influencer, right? So it, this idea of the, where we, we, we take those things and we say those are the things that are held up in front of us and says, don't you want, don't you, don't you want to be part of this? Is this right? Is this not what you want to give yourself to? Right. Because idols by its definition says, give yourself to me and I will bless you. Not do this and I will curse you. OK. And I will burn you. If you want to use the the story, the, the idea of the story of the furnace here. OK. And that's what and that's what's going on in this story. Right. And in that case, we can all agree that for all of us, for everybody in this room, everybody, everybody here this morning, we can all agree that our faithfulness is being challenged every single day. All right. Secondly, though. Right. Secondly, I want you to look at the confession of the faithful. And this is actually the hinge. Look, down, skip down and go down to look at verse 16 through 18 with me. All right? This is sort of the hinge of the passage. Okay? This is sort of the the point in the story that becomes the focal point. It's actually, it's almost like right in the middle of the text. Okay? It's right in the middle of the text. And you can see that it is when, it is what comes out of the mouth of these three young men. All right? But notice what they say, right? They say, they when Nebuchadnezzar asks them, right, he looks at them and he says, hey, Right? Are you going to worship and serve this god? If not, right? That's the furnace. Right? I made this statue, this idol. I can unmake you. Okay. And most people think these furnaces were the ones that were used to smelt the gold that was used to actually build the to build the statue, to build the idol. Okay. And so that's why those furnaces are there. Now, so what? What? So what? Uh, what? So what? Nebuchadnezzar tells them is to say, look. Right? If you were to bow down and worship, well and good. Business as usual, you go back to your jobs, you keep your jobs, everything goes on, my empire continues, you continue, we're good. Right, But if you refuse, then this is what is going to happen. Right, This is the furnace. And notice what Nebuchadnezzar's question is at the end of verse 15. Which God can save you out of my hands. So verse 16 to 18 is their response to that question. All right? Because ultimately their confession is not necessarily a statement about them, but a statement about their God. All right? And that's why in verse 16 when in verse 16 when Nebuchadnezzar, when 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 uh, when these three young men are asked that question, they're basically saying we, we don't, he says, we, he said we, in, verse, in verse 16, he says, we don't have to give you an answer, right? Because, he, because essentially what they're saying, if, if you're asking the question, will God rescue Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace? The answer to the question is, we don't know. We don't know, right? Can God rescue us out of the fire? The answer is, Yes. Will God rescue us out of the fire? We don't know. Right? Ralph Davis, in his commentary, says this. He, and he, he makes this distinction. He says, they were living in accordance with God's revealed will. You shall have no other gods before me. They were not so sure about God's circumstantial will. What will God do in this circumstance, in this case? And faithfulness, the confession of the faithful, is to confess the word of God that we already know. It is not to try to predict what God is going to do. Right? Because that's not our business. That's not what we are to do. Faithfulness to God is obedience to what we already know to be true. That's faithfulness. right? And and so often, whenever we are presented with circumstances like this, we want to know what exactly will happen. How is this going to turn out? One commentator says the miracle in this passage is not that they are rescued from the fire. That's what we often think about, right? When we think about what is the miracle here is they are completely they, they go into the fire and they come out, right? Or is this strange fourth man in the fire? We'll get that here in a second. But the miracle here, the miracle here is what they say about God and as, 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 at, what, at, at how it pertains to them. Right? The miracle here is we are going to be faithful to what we already know God has already told us. Right? Now, I don't know if they were familiar with Isaiah 43. Right? I, if you're familiar with Isaiah 43, we have a song, right? We sometimes we sing, but it's really where it says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the fire, I will be with you notice it's when you pass through the fire not if right in other words what were they certain of that the fact that god was going to be with them when they went in it was not about whether they were going to escape it okay and so in this so what you have here that this hinge passage is that is what their confession is Right? Their confession has to do with the fact that they are being obedient to what God has already told them, and that is all, and, and everything else, they're leaving it up to God. Right? Thirdly, okay, let's move on to this last section. This last, uh, last section. We're going to point out a few things here. Right? So in verses 19 to 30, you have, of course, in the story, this whole section is a study in contrast. Okay. Again, what you have here is in verse 19 onwards, you have this when Nebuchadnezzar, he says his face changed, right? His face changed, right? He went from happy to angry to crazy, okay? So in that, in, in, in that it says that he, and, and so there's this almost, it's, if, you, if you talk about this, this insanity, right? You, you, you really get this picture right here, right? You have this, the, the soldiers who are taking the people to the furnace they are the ones who get smoked sorry couldn't resist right they they are the ones who they are the ones who die okay but the people who refuse the king's edict are the ones who come out alive right? and notice the the notice this picture in the furnace right that they, they get thrown in right they get thrown in and then you have this appearance of this fourth man in the story And Nebuchadnezzar, he knows his math, right? He says, I put three in, I've got four, so I've got one extra, what's going on? Okay, so he gets that, he understands that. But what he gets is, notice where the insanity is. Notice where the madness is. It's not in the fire, right? In fact, they're just walking around. He says, I see four walking, unbound and walking. Right? And it's in the fire. Where is all the cacophony, the noise, the madness? It's out in the plains in front of the idol. It's opposite, isn't it? We would think the cries of help and the, 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 the sort of the, the destruction would be coming inside the fire. And yet the noise is, is outside. Right? It is in the very crucible of the furnace is where the people of God are finding fellowship. I don't know what challenges anyone in this room is going through this morning. But let me encourage you that If you're asking the question, where am I going to find communion with the Lord? May I suggest it's right there where you are right now? It is not in the absence of the fire. right? Because it is there that God shows up. That's where God shows up. Right? If you flip through the New Testament pages, right? I'm thinking of in Acts chapter 12 when, when Peter is in jail. When Peter's in jail, and then, this, and then, he, and then when, when Peter's in jail, right? and the, it says on the very night that he was to be killed, that's when the angel of the Lord shows up, the very night. Right? In Acts 16, when Paul and Silas are in jail, right? that's when the, the, the bars break and uh, there's an earthquake and, and all that. In in Mark chapter 6, when the disciples are rowing uh, with all their might against the storm, that's when Jesus comes walking on the water. Where does God show up? At the very point of where we are undone. Where all our resources are depleted. Where we are bankrupt and have nothing left. That's where God shows up. And that's what you have in this story, right? This is where God shows up. He shows up in the midst of the fire. But the whole point of this story as it's leading into the New Testament is this, right? If you were to to go into the New Testament, you come across the event in the life of our Savior who was maliciously accused, whose identity was questioned, Tell us, are you the Son of God? Who, will, who himself described the death that he would go through as a baptism of fire? Luke 12, verse 50. And who would go into the very death? What's the difference? He goes into it alone. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a difference. That's a difference. But that's not the end of the story, is it? Right? If you look down into the end of the end of the passage, whenever Nebuchadnezzar calls them out, it says that they come back out, there's no smoke on their clothes, not singed, nothing. There is almost a resurrection of sorts. Right? The very thing that would kill them, in some sense, gives it yields back its dead. Right? They get it back. Right, and, 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 and the passage makes it a point that there is nothing that, there was, that, that they had, they, they went in exactly as when they came, they came out exactly as when they went in. Right, there's a resurrection. And that's our hope, right, living on the other side of the cross is to say that our hope, that to go whatever challenges that might come to our faithfulness while we're living out our lives in the kingdoms of this world, is that ultimately our hope Is not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of challenges to our faith. But our hope and and our final hope is the certainty of the resurrection. That's why the apostle Peter, he can't get over it, right? In 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, Praise to the Lord and God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Right? We have a living hope through the res- through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And later on in that passage, <laughs> he actually says, and he says, "Though you suffer for a little while, your faith more precious than gold, though refined by fire." Allusions to Daniel 3. I don't know. Right? But what Peter is saying is is like this is what is going to be the case for us today that our faith will be tested and will be refined by fire. Our hope is not to try to say that, that God is going to rescue us out of every circumstance. Our hope is resurrection, right? Our hope is resurrection. Let me close with this. All right, many years ago, my, my father served with a ministry call uh, the Gideons. If you're familiar with the Gideons, they place Bibles, um, and so he was very active with the in, in that ministry for for many years. Now, I grew up in Malaysia, which is predominantly a Muslim country, and so whenever Bibles were delivered, they were shipped, <clears throat> and I remember, and a lot, and of course, the, the government was not too none too happy about these Bibles coming in. So often, what would happen is they would deliver the Bibles to the to the port. Um, you know, the shipping port, and then, uh, you know, months later or weeks later or sometimes even years later, uh, my, my dad or somebody in the Gideon's ministry would get a phone call saying, hey, you have some Bibles here. And they would find that the Bibles were delivered like months ago, all right? But, there, but I remember one time, one time these Bibles were delivered. My father got a phone call, and he said, hey, they, they just call. Uh, we we, we, we got to go see about these Bibles. Now, and he took me with him, okay? He took me with him, And we had no idea what they were going to do. Were they going to dispose them? We we, we had no idea. We we had had no idea what what, what was going to happen. And when we got there, we got there, went to this room with all these boxes of all these Bibles, and they gave us, you know, what is it called, like an Expo marker? Um, And they said, look, we're going to release these Bibles to you, but we want you to cross out, right? John 3.16 um, in Arabic uh, in the Bible. If any know about any of the Gideon Bibles, you're familiar with it, like the first few pages of all these of all the Gideon Bibles have John three sixteen written in multiple languages. Okay? So they wanted and and you know, being a Muslim country, they say, we want you to cross out the, the words in Arabic. Okay? So Father said, okay. All right. So if you want to go to release these Bibles, all right, we'll cross out the word. All right. And so we sat down, right? and we started doing that. And I and I don't know if you know this, but you know, these Bible pages are so thin, right? And I don't know if you've ever applied like a, uh, an expo marker to like um, to like really thin paper. It, it it was almost like we were highlighting John 3.16 in Arabic in every Bible. Right? And I was like, I don't know where the Bibles were, who in whose hand this Bible was gonna end up to. But if, if it if it came to somebody's hand, they would they would, if they were to flip through it, right? The, the, the verses in Arabic would just pop out, right? Now, why do I tell you that story? We had no idea what to expect when we, to, when we went to get those Bibles. No idea. I had no idea, OK? But in that time, right, in that episode, God showed himself. God showed himself, right? It, 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 we, we thought it was death to us. We're going to lose all these Bibles. All right? Or, or it, was, it was actually going to take away um, from the good. It actually made it better. It made it better. Right? It, it, made it, a, it made it to be a greater blessing than we expected. And so, what I want to leave with you this morning is this. Number one, Expect your faithfulness to the Lord to be challenged. Don't be surprised by it. All right, don't be surprised by it. We are all resident aliens. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, you live as a resident alien. All right? Second thing, beware of the glittering idols that are set in front of your face every day. All right? Know know that our faithfulness will be challenged, but secondly, be aware of what is being set up that invites you and tells you. Give yourself to me and I will bless you. Turn me aside and I will curse you. Be aware. Thirdly, know that God shows up at at the places where you think you've lost. The places where you are completely undone, depleted, where you're feeling the burn, where you're feeling the intimidation, the pressure to conform, know that that is exactly where God shows up. And fourth and lastly, your hope is not in the approval of the kingdoms of this world, but in the certainty of the resurrection. That's our hope. That's our hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you again, Lord, that you are... Lord, you are present. Lord, you are our Emmanuel, our God with us. We have a king who doesn't stand on the sidelines. He's he's one who walks into the fire with us. And so, Father, we... um, uh, Lord, that is, that is something that we can rejoice, that we can rest in, that we can find our comfort in, that we can find our confidence in. And, uh, and I pray, Lord, for this, 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 this dear congregation here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them. Lord, if they, are, if, they, if, they, if they feel they're walking through the crucible, that you would challenge them. If they are glittering idols that have captured their affections and our affections, Lord, forgive us. And Lord, help us to rest and know that we have a strong Savior. Which God will save out of our hands, out, 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 of, out of the nation of these hands? It is our God. It is our King Jesus who has saved us and has given, has given us a certainty of the resurrection. What a blessing, what a joy it is that we can get to celebrate that even this morning. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.